Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Brittany Beer of 42. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you, Keith. So there's a number of big headlines for this week's tech news. Black Hat, the Uber kind of hacker conference in Las Vegas, just happened recently. And out of that came a number of different stories. Um, one, AT&T is being sued by for $24 million uh, for what's called a cryptocurrency SIM hijack. And this is where uh, you have a phone and you've tied it to your Bitcoin wallet or your cryptocurrency account or some other um, electronic uh, asset. And the phone gets hijacked because the phone carrier like AT&T has given your SIM card or your identification away to somebody else. And that happens because people find out your personal information, they call up the phone company, pretend that they're you, and then take over your account. And this is just happening more and more. Also, uh, a big headline that won't affect you personally, but many banks are worried about, is that the FBI warns that there's a pending large-scale attack on ATMs, and that's where hackers and cyber criminals are planning to infiltrate ATM machines and take out all their cash. It's more at a systemic level, not something that you as a user will be concerned about, but many banks are definitely concerned. There's a family of D-Link routers that have a vulnerability called DNS tampering. And what that allows for is very targeted ways of redirecting things that you think are normal. So you go to a website, let's say 99% of your websites are all gonna be normal yet the router has programmed itself that when you go to your bank website, it'll go to a cyber criminal's website instead where you'll transact what you think is your normal bank account and accidentally give up all your credentials. And finally, around this mobile device theme, uh, a recent report by RSA says that over 80% of frauds committed by um, using a device, a mobile device, happens through a new device. And that just gives credence that devices in themselves can have reputations. And I'll talk about more in a future episode. And that's the news of the week. So welcome back. Today I'm joined by the Chief Operating Officer of 42, an international coding school, Brittany Beer. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Keith. So, Brittany, welcome, and thanks again for being here. I'm very excited. 42 is this awesome coding academy that started off in Paris, and at its other location is right here in Silicon Valley. So, Brittany, tell us a little bit more about 42. So, 42 is a nonprofit tuition-free coding school, which first originated in Paris, France, like you said. Um, we are radically disrupting uh 
computer engineering education. So we have a three to five year college level program for students who are over the age of 18. And then we also here in the U.S. have a high school program, which we offer as well. And what's the high school program called? So the high school program is called Hack High School, and that's something that we do uh, in partnership with another nonprofit organization called Code for Fun. And is Code for Fun also in the same facility you're at? So yeah, Code for Fun is in the same facility as us as well. Yeah, what's great about 42, especially we are located in Fremont, California. That's where your coding school is, um, one of my hometowns. It's, It's very awesome that you picked Fremont. How did you pick Fremont in all of this? So the idea to come here to Fremont uh, came about after many different options that we had, one being either uh, if we went out to New York and then, well, we also thought if we're going to be a computer programming school, why not go to the heart of the Silicon Valley? Um, Our target market is going to also be individuals that I uh, can't necessarily afford to go to a $40,000 a year uh, university. Uh, so we decided to come to Fremont as a way of making it more affordable option as well for uh, other students uh, here in the East Bay. And just to be clear, 42 is completely free. Yes. So 42 is completely f- tuition free. Uh, we are a nonprofit. We are entirely financed and funded by Xavier Niel, who is a French billionaire and philanthropist who has put up the money for us to operate. Uh, so when I say tuition-free, I actually mean tuition-free. I know a lot of people have been burned by this here in the U.S. for a while. There's been many different jokes. It's like free now, pay later. Uh, but when we say tuition-free at 42, we actually mean tuition-free. So before, during, after your, uh, your studies here at 42, it is tuition-free. We're not going to hold uh, IP uh, rights to students' code when they're here uh, on the campus. The code that they write is their own personal property. There's no hidden contract. We're not going to come back and ask them to pay an arm and a leg. We're not going to ask them for their firstborn child. Uh, when we say tuition-free, we actually mean tuition-free. So, Brittany, based on your description, it sounds like you've gotten these questions before. Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's uh, it's something that is not quite as radical in France, uh, the idea of free education. But here in the U.S., it was uh, quite shocking for many Americans to understand that uh, something could actually be free. Well, that's great. Uh, not just tuition free, it's also room and board that's covered as well. Um, well, not board. Uh, we did have to draw the line somewhere, but okay. <laughs> we've, we uh, actually have tuition free. And then also we have 600 spaces in our dormitories, which are located about two minutes within walking distance of the campus that we also offer for free on a first come first serve basis. So we do have a limited amount of spots. Okay. But yeah, you're right. It is a radically different concept. But I, um, but you know, I think just so everyone knows, and not making light of it, how legitimate this program is. I mean, the city of Fremont is completely behind you. Uh, we're going to be doing an event together with IBM's Call for Code, which we've been talking about for months. This uh, program where IBM is sponsoring disaster relief and emergency preparedness. We're actually going to do an event together between. 42 between IBM, uh, some of my businesses, Tulip, and emerging technology educator, as well as a number of blockchain and other technology companies as well. And we're going to get an appearance by the city of Fremont. So Brittany, why was Xavier so interested in this concept? So uh, Xavier has a multimedia company in France, uh, a telecommunications company, much like uh, Verizon or T-Mobile here in the U.S., uh, called Iliad and Free. 
And so one of the days he was out talking with one of his best programmers and he started inquiring about her life and her background and where she came from. And he found that rather than being one of the best students at one of the top schools in France, that up until recently she had been a high school dropout mm. and had been working at a pet store selling hamsters. So his question was then, well, how did you go from that kind of background into one of the best programmers at my telecommunications company? And the answer to that was uh, the Web Academy, which is a school that operates under the pedagogy, which was developed by Nicolas Sadiac, one of the co-founders of 42. And this is where I think also you got your start at 42 in Paris. Yes, that is correct. So I actually went through and I applied as a student first at 42 in Paris. I went through uh, the admissions process. I've been through what's called the PCN, which is our selection period, which is a month-long intensive programming session. And then I uh, actually went on to do the three- to five-year program as well before they asked me to come out here and uh, direct the school here in the U.S., for more information on what we've talked about so far, you can email us at info at svn.biz. You can go to 42us.org. Mm-hmm. 42.us.org. For any other questions or comments, again, just reach out to us at info at svn.biz. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I'm joined with the Chief Operating Officer of 42 in the United States, Brittany Beer. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you, Keith. So this week's question, I've been on a series about systemic biases, which is an analogy to confirmation bias in humans that actually happens in computers and systems as well. I wanted to talk today about the concept of conflicting goal bias. Conflicting goal bias is when we're designing systems for very specific purposes, like a business purpose. So imagine that we are building a job applicant tracking system. And things that you think you're building for, sometimes things come up that are completely unforeseen at the develop the system. So imagine you've created a job applicant system and you're getting paid per click. So the coder is going to make the engagement um, algorithm as high as possible in getting those clicks. So this happens a lot in, let's say that there's a job application for being a nurse versus a medical technician. If you happen to be a woman, you might be trained as a stereotype to click more often on the nursing job versus the medical technician job, even though the medical technician job might be a higher paying job. So it's just something that we get more and more into and why I'm spending so much time on confirmation bias is that we have to do a lot in how we develop our systems in an ethical manner. And that's the question of the week. Which just ties right into having Brittany here with Call for Code and breaking down stereotypes. We had talked about how 42, this coding academy that started in Paris from a French billionaire philanthropist, it's completely tuition-free and how when they first got started here in Silicon Valley, a lot of skepticism, and as we just talked about stereotypes, there's stereotypes all over the place. So, Brittany, welcome. Thank you, Keith. So, Brittany, we had just talked about the last segment, how you start off through the program in Paris and how that led to you actually directing the school here. Yes, that is correct. I first started off as a student and then transitioned into direction. So, how many students are currently here on our campus? 
So currently here in the United States, we have a little bit over 800 students who have enrolled in our three to five year program. Um, we are actually open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So the students uh, come and go as they please all throughout the day. Yeah, I've been to the facility. It's fantastic. It's a college setting mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. So what is a typical day in the life of a student? So the typical day in the life of a student, it would obviously vary from student to student as it's a very self-directed program. So what's radically different about 42 versus a traditional school is the fact that we do not have classes, we have no professors, and there are no lectures. So the program is entirely peer-to-peer based and project-based learning. So a student would come onto the campus, uh, open up their computer, and they would learn by doing. So they would open up a project and they would begin working on those different projects. And when they hit a wall, Uh, Because 42 is peer-to-peer based rather than uh, going first to a lecture and learning from a professor, if you have a question, you typically turn to the person that's to your left, turn to the person that's to your right, and if all else fails, Google is your best friend. (laughs) That's great. I I think um, when I visited, we were were seeing a lot of students in action. What I really liked that was uh, discussed by the team is how one of the key tenants is to actually use development tools that are common, and that's accessible to all. Um, What are some of the other attributes in the program that makes it um, so appealing? So I think one of the attributes that makes it so appealing for 42 is the freedom that a student has. It could be uh, both thrilling and also very scary at the same time. Because you don't have a teacher that's going to come up and tell you uh, essentially where it is you should look, what a particular theory looks like, you're going to have to go and find that information for yourself. Uh, So what we're training students to do is how to think, how to learn. So rather than telling them, today we're going to work in C language, this is how you would go through and develop your own function, they're going to go out and search for this information themselves. So they're going to find out how to develop a function, what are the different elements of a function, and they're going to try and they're going to fail and they're going to try and they're going to fail. It's much like when we're young and we're learning how to walk. Uh, You don't necessarily first learn about the theory of walking and velocity and uh, physics and the law of gravity. Uh, You try and you fail. You hit your head on the coffee table a few times and then eventually you begin walking fluidly. So it's ideation, and that's um, a very good concept, especially with coding. So when a student comes in, do they jump into an existing project? Do they self-create a project? So when a student first comes in, they're going to uh, begin our admissions process, which is going to kind of prepare them for uh, going into the three- to five-year program. So the admissions process is called the piscine, which means swimming pool in English. And the swimming pool is going to be 28 days straight uh, of new exercises, uh, one which follows after the other uh, based on what it is they learned or did not learn the day beforehand. Uh, So this is going to prepare them for the kind of environment that they're going to be in at 42. So we're going to confront them with some problems that will gradually get more and more difficult with time and uh, test their ability for time management, uh, peer-to-peer collaboration, and uh, also being able to resolve these computer programming problems. And the 28 days, just so I'm clear, does that happen before they get on the campus? 
So that happens. Uh, they have to physically come onto the campus to be able to participate in the peace scene. But uh, that is the final step in the admissions process. So at that point, they're not yet a student or as we would call them a cadet uh, on the 42 campus. They're going to be uh, an applicant. So rather than filling out your traditional college application with your GPA, your SAT scores, uh, we're going to judge you on all the extracurricular activities that you did before 42, we try to have uh, our students be tested more on their motivation and their talent in the present rather than judging them on what it is they have done or have not accomplished in their past. Okay. And that's um, a unique way of, of getting started. Is there in, because of course I grew up in the, the regular college, high school college-based system. So I'm still wondering though, What's the process to get started online? I mean, they're looking for the program online. They find it. And we talked about the piscine. Where does that part start? So uh, once a student learns about 42, then they are able to actually apply directly for a piscine. Um, so up until recently, we actually had a few logic tests uh, that they would do, but we've uh, are trying and testing out different new innovating ways of uh, testing for individuals to come in on the campus. And so as of right now, they do the PCN. And then from the PCN, uh, if they're selected at the end, they will be integrated into the three- to five-year program. Okay. And that whole process takes 28 days? So, yeah, the PCN takes 28 days. And they get to actually live on site for 28 days. So they could opt to live on site for 28 days or they could commute. It just depends on the individual's I, desire. That's a good question, too. What's the ratio between local Silicon Valley students? So the ratio for uh, the ratio for local Silicon Valley students, we had we started off at about 16 percent uh, of our incoming students were from the local Bay Area. And then now we've gradually transitioned more towards 30 percent. OK, well, thank you very much. Um, stay tuned because we have a lot more to cover with you. I wanted to bring up to the listener that uh, we're going to do a, an event on August 21st with Tulip and EOS, and this is going to be about how to start up a crypto wallet. This is if you have any questions about getting started in, again, we don't give investment advice, but how to get started on blockchain as a cryptocurrency holder. We're going to do an event on August 21st. You can find the event bright. It's on keeping your crypto cyber safe. So again, not investment advice. You need more information, email us at info at svi.biz. And today we're joined with Brittany Beer, Chief Operating Officer of 42, a coding academy school in Paris and in the U.S., based in Fremont, California. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo, joined today by the Chief Operating Officer of Coding School 42, Brittany Beer. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Keith. Pleasure to be here. So this segment is usually a cyber tip or a privacy tip of the week, and it also is some useful advice for business. Um, I'm going to bring up something and tie it into what Brittany and I were talking about off the microphone, which is there's a headline that Amazon's getting in the healthcare, and they're doing that by buying a company called PillPack. And they're kind of building a consortium with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway to offer healthcare to their own employees directly, which 
Sounds like a great idea. They're trying to be innovative in healthcare. One thing that people don't think about, and I'm using Amazon's example because it's this massive, massive company that can be buying these billion-dollar other companies or industries like PillPack, is that that introduces a whole set of regulatory risks that people don't think of, and oftentimes large companies don't think about it either, no matter the army of attorneys or lawyers they have. So the advice is, in this era of what Jed Yue, who we had on a few weeks back, we call FinTech, your ability to create ideas overnight, and especially Brittany with 42 and the students, they'll be able to create new coding algorithms and programs overnight. As they roll those out, there are all types of different uh, regulations involved, whether it's healthcare, financial, banking, insurance, energy, that you really need to be cognizant of because we get into a lot of situations with startups, especially that they suddenly get into trouble because of something happening. We heard this not with the startup, but even with an Uber or other type of autonomous vehicle where they've accidentally run over somebody and you have to figure all that out. So the tip is be cognizant of the product you're building, what the audience is, and what the regulations and laws are around that. And if you don't know, get help. And you can always email us at info at svn.biz if you need some mentors. So we've been joined today by Brittany Beer, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Coding School 42, originally started by a French billionaire philanthropist, Xavier Niel, in Paris. Brittany went through the program there, and now she's the Chief Operating Officer of their U.S. location right here in the heart of Silicon Valley. Thanks again, Brittany, for being here. Thank you very much, Keith, for having me. So we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered about how students get engaged at 42, where they go through the PISIN process, which is... In English, swimming pool? Yes, that is correct. I don't remember any of my, my grade school French. Um, but it's been a great journey in how students get involved. It's different than the normal, what we think about, I shouldn't say normal, but the way that education's done here in the United States. You go through high school, you take SATs, you apply for college, you get into a college, you come out with a degree. And it's now those these days, those degrees cost like $40,000 a year. You offer a very nice alternative, tuition-free, which is, of course, great, three- to five-year program. So what have been some of the outcomes? Because you've only been here since 2016. Mm -hmm, That is correct. So we've actually been open in Paris, France since 2013, and here in the U.S. since 2016. We had our very first back-to-school in September of 2016, so we're still quite young here in Fremont, California. Uh, So we've actually had quite a lot of success here, uh, despite the fact that we've been open since uh, 2016, and our students have gone on to uh, get internships and also jobs in companies like Instacart, um, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and Google as well as many of the local Bay Area startups. That's great. And, you know, I come out of corporate, so as this program is getting legs, getting more mature. Uh, I think it's going to be really good in terms of getting even more of those types of companies like a Google, a LinkedIn, a Microsoft, an Instacart. When students come out of the program, because I know right now in California, we're, we're still in the midst of a program. So there's been students in Paris. What is the onboarding process for them and those companies like? Because you've, you've, we've covered how there's this peer-to-peer feeling. So it's almost like a working environment do they find the transition pretty easy into the working world? 
So I think that the, we have done a really great job of preparing our students for the real work life environment. So with our peer to peer pedagogy, uh, not only are the students going to be learning with one another, so they're learning how to collaborate, they're learning how to work as a team, how to advance as a team on different projects, but they're also going to be correcting each other's projects. And so when they are going to correct each other's projects, they're going to have at least three or five different people that will come in and correct it uh, with different levels of computer programming expertise. So this also prepares them for the real world where they're going to have a client that has absolutely no idea how uh, their computer programming code is going to work. They're going to have somebody like perhaps their boss who has a great deal of expertise in computer programming. And so they're going to have to explain it to them as well. And then also their coworkers that are working on the same project as them and have about the same level of expertise. So in that sense, the students are not only learning how to collaborate with different uh, stakeholders, but they're also learning how to collaborate with uh, groups that they will need to when they work with a team. Yeah, that sounds like really good, you know, hands-on experience on how to deal with project teams. So is there any concept, because we talked about in the earlier segment about how it's peer-to-peer, is there any concept of an actual educator or teacher on site. So that's one of the things that makes 42 so radically different is that we do not have uh, an educator on site. We do not have professors. Uh, We do have a pedagogical staff, but they are there more to guide uh, the curriculum and oversee that new projects are being uh, added onto our already abundant curriculum uh, so that we are keeping up to date with technology as it is evolving uh, so that our students uh, can explore the latest and greatest as well. Yeah, and that sounds where very interesting in that you have that approach. And one thing when I was visiting the campus, I was noticing is, and I know you're all under NDA, so we can't talk about specifics. When a corporation has an idea to get engaged, how do they do that? So uh, if a corporation decides to get engaged, there's different levels of engagement. So uh, there aren't uh, many NDAs that we have with certain companies. Uh, But we do have uh, partnerships with companies like FileMaker, which is a subsidiary of Apple. So they have generously agreed to give uh, two months living stipend to some of our students that uh, would like to then participate in their internship programs. Um, So they pay the the students a living stipend while they're going to be here learning on campus. We also have uh, other companies, so like IBM, that's going to do their call for code. Uh, at one of our locations. Uh, We also have other companies that come and hire from our student population as well. Uh, So there's different levels of involvement and engagement, uh, but not necessarily in the sense where uh, a company comes and proposes that we do a project for them. Uh, They do that sometimes as a sort of hackathon to where they can try and test our students to see which ones they would eventually like to hire as an intern. Right. And you mentioned Call for Code, which we brought up in the beginning part of the show. It's going to be at a great time where we're going to do, in essence, um, a hackathon, a Call for Code, which we've talked about on air. IBM is sponsoring disaster relief and emergency preparedness for any organization or company. And we're going to do one together with 42, IBM, uh, Tulip, and a bunch of EOS um, blockchain providers to actually test both 
42 students and actually open to the public as well. And that's going to be on August 25th. So you can email us at info at svin.biz for more information regarding the call for code. What are some of the other success stories in 42 Paris or 42 in California? So many of our students have not only gone on to work in different companies here uh, in the Bay Area and in the U.S. in addition to in France, but we've also had some students that have gone on to start their own companies. So, uh, for example, Raycast AI is a really uh, interesting startup that was developed by a group of students at our 42 campus in Paris and has become uh, an up-and-coming startup not only in France, but now they're also starting to branch out, I think, here in the U.S. Okay. Um, I have a burning question. Okay. Why 42? What's the story behind the 42 name? So 42 is a geek reference, and I won't spoil it for everybody, but I'll give them a hint, and that hint would be to look to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah, yes. I know. Um, One of my favorite book series, so I won't give it away either, but uh, I can imagine a lot of conspiracy theories around 42. Mm -hmm. But uh, it maybe is not necessarily conspiracy, but more an answer to a question. (laughs) Life's burning questions. (laughs) So thank you. So, Brittany, we've been talking a lot about 42, the Coding Academy, and it's good for college-age students. But we had mentioned earlier that you actually have an even earlier program for high school students. Yes, that is correct. So uh, we have what's called our Hack High School. So that is something that we have done here locally at the 42 Silicon Valley campus in Fremont, California. And on Saturdays, we do a program where we do in coll- which we do in collaboration with Code for Fun, another nonprofit here in Fremont. And we help prepare students for the AP CSP exam uh, during the school year, the academic school year. And then during the summertime, we also have a series of uh, Uh, free coding camps for high school age students. And so we've been doing about four different camps this summer uh, on our own with Code for Fun. And then now we're going to be transitioning in for the next two weeks. So starting uh, the week of the August 13th and also the week of August 20th, we'll also be doing two special camps with uh, 49ers EDU as well, which will allow the high school students to learn how to code in R and also then visit the Levi Stadium. Wow, that sounds fun. I love doing the tour of Levi Stadium. How did you get involved with the Niners? So we got involved with the uh, 49ers EDU uh, by going and reaching out to their STEAM uh, group. Got it, got it. And is there also no tuition for these camps as well? So it is also no tuition. Okay, and we we had talked about how this is really designed for... um, Anyone but low income as well? So, yeah, this this camp is open to anyone. It's on a first-come, first-served basis. So this uh, camp is available to local high school students or students that are want, willing to fly in and uh, find accommodation with their families uh, for the duration of this. It's Monday through Friday, uh, and the particular camps that are coming up in August are, with, uh, are Monday through Friday, uh, about 8 a.m., I believe, is drop-off to 5 p.m. in the afternoon. All right. Well, thanks. So any questions around Code for Fun, the Coding Academy, or Coding Camp, email us at info at svn.biz. I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. 
Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I've been joined by the Chief Operating Officer of Coding School 42, Brittany Beer. Hi again, Brittany. Hi again, Keith. So, Brittany, what I really love about your personal story is that you were in this class in Paris itself, and you came back, not just to complete the course, but actually came back to California, the United States, and you now run the school. So uh, what has your personal journey been like? So my personal journey has been uh, littered with difficulties. So in the sense that when I left the United States, I left because I couldn't afford to get an education here in the U.S. I had gone to a traditional school, uh, gone through the traditional cycle, and at the end of my bachelor's degree, I realized that I could no longer pursue my dreams here in the U.S. because of the financial obstacle that uh, was before me here in the U.S. So I moved to Paris, which uh, is where I then went on to get my master's degree, and I heard about 42 went through the program and absolutely loved it. It was incredibly empowering and uh, freeing to be able to have so much uh, freedom to be creative with my different solutions that I had to the coding uh, problems which were posed before me. And so from this, I completely fell in love with it. And I actually started talking with some of the staff members uh, who I had worked with actually previously uh, at another school. And I told them why I left the United States and why 42 was so intriguing to me and how it was a shame that we didn't have something like this here in the U.S., a country where it's usually about $40,000 a year to go to school. And they told me, well, it's funny you should mention that. <laughs> That's what I love about the story, right? Because we we joke, I mean, the show's called Silicon Valley Insider, but certainly not just about Silicon Valley. We have listeners in 71 countries. But the fact that something started outside of Silicon Valley and was brought to Silicon Valley as an alternative to the traditional education system. And I want to be clear, though, that although it's an alternative, it is producing outcomes, even though we're in the middle of a current um, cohort, because you started mm-hmm. in 2016, there have been already some success cases in the U.S., certainly in Paris. Yes, that is correct. So we uh, have students that, while they're working on their projects here at 42, even before they've completed the full curriculum uh, during the three to five years, they decide to uh, go off and uh, do their internship. And some of those companies have just fallen in love with our students and their ability to problem solve and think for themselves and be self-motivated and work on new and innovative solutions uh, that they've just decided to hire them right up. Uh, Or some of our students have gone on to create their own companies. And so this actually presents a conundrum in the sense where they haven't yet graduated from the 42 program, if we could even say graduated, uh, but uh, they have uh, gone ahead and left in the middle of the program. And this is actually not so much a problem for us in the sense that we're thrilled if they get hired. I mean, that's what we are working on doing is to prepare our students for the job force, to prepare them to grow wings and fly away. And so if though a student leaves the com- campus and they go work for a company for, let's say, two years, and then after a while they decide that that's not what it was they were looking for uh, and want to come back and continue their studies, they're more than welcome to go ahead and do that as well. That, that's a fantastic opportunity. 
And so with just the limited time we have left, how do they get a hold of you? So uh, our students can reach us at 42 uh, Silicon Valley, uh, which is our Twitter and also our Facebook, and also 42.us.org, or we have our contact email at contact at the number 42.us.org. So Brittany, thanks again for joining us today on Silicon Valley Insider. Just as a reminder, we are co-hosting a call for code for disaster recovery, disaster relief, emergency preparedness. And if you need any questions about that, email us at info at svn.biz. So I've been ending our shows now with something I want you to think about, not necessarily a right or wrong answer, just something that is happening in the tech world that should give you a moment of pause just to think about what your feelings are about it. So this week, big news, Facebook the headline in a Wall Street Journal article was that they wanted access to your bank data. So Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Barclays, et cetera. And, you know, the question is Facebook, beyond being a social media platform, is especially a data aggregation platform. And with all the news on Cambridge Analytica, all the, you know, quote unquote scandals, the Russian trolls that we've talked about, do you really want to give Facebook that data? And so, you know, it's kind of blew up on Um, mainstream media as well, and people were thinking that might not be such a great idea. But at the same time, a count article came out that said, well, you might want to give Facebook your banking data because it might be a really great platform for times where you get locked out of your account, you've been hacked and you need to recover, why not use your social media application like a Facebook that knows a lot about you already to verify your identity And actually, if we think about it in a banking context where we talk about KYC, which is know your customer, or anti-money laundering, that why wouldn't you want a stronger what we call reputation? So again, not a right or wrong answer, just something for you to think about. I personally think that blockchain itself is going to solve for this with reputation identity management, but we're still a few months or a few years away from that. So if this has been very thought-provoking to you, please email us at info at svn.biz, share us your thoughts, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 